Uh, please join me in prayer before we turn to the scriptures. Gracious God, silence within us any voice but your own, but hearing your word, we may also obey your will. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. Today's scripture lesson is probably one that you have never heard read in a worship service before. Uh, the scripture is found in Matthew chapter 1, verses 1 through 16. Let us hear God's word. An account of the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, and Judah the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar, and Perez the father of Hezron, and Hezron the father of Aram, and Aram the father of Aminadab, and Aminadab the father of Nation, and Nation the father of Salmon, and Salmon the father of Boaz by Rahab, and Boaz the father of Obed by Ruth, and Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of King David. And David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah, and Solomon the father of Rehoboam, and Rehoboam the father of Abijah, and Abijah the father of Asaph, and Asaph the father of Jehoshaphat, and Jehoshaphat the father of Joram, and Joram the father of Uzziah, and Uzziah the father of Jotham, and Jotham the father of Ahaz, and Ahaz the father of Hezekiah, and Hezekiah the father of Manasseh, and Manasseh the father of Amos, Amos the father of Josiah, and Josiah the father of Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the deportation to Babylon. And after the deportation to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Salathiel, and Salathiel the father of Zerubbabel, and Zerubbabel, the father of Abiad, and Abiad, the father of Eliakim, and Eliakim, the father of Azor, and Azor, the father of Zadok, and Zadok, the father of Achim, and Achim, the father of Eliad, and Eliad, the father of Eleazar, and Eleazar, the father of Mathan, and Mathan, the father of Jacob, and Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called the Messiah. The Word of God for the people of God. Now, if you're a baseball fan, you know that the National Baseball Hall of Fame is in Cooperstown, New York. Or is it? Is it maybe in Chevy Chase, Maryland? Actually, both. The men are enshrined in Cooperstown. The women are in the Women's National Hall of Fame in Chevy Chase, Maryland. There are, in fact, many halls of fame. The Pro Rodeo Hall of Fame is in Colorado Springs. 
The Country Music Hall of Fame is, where else? Nashville, Tennessee. The Pro Football Hall of Fame is in Canton, Ohio. There is also a Hall of Fame for clowns, and another for cloggers, and still another for those who play the ukulele. Now, if you're, my, if you're my age, and I see a few of you out there who are my age, you will remember a comedian by the name of Arthur Godfrey who could play a mean ukulele. And, in fact, Arthur Godfrey was inducted into the Ukulele Hall of Fame back in 2001. Now, sadly, no one in our family has ever made it into anyone's Hall of Fame. And I don't expect we ever will be. But don't feel sorry for us, because in our apartment in Pasadena, we have what we call a wall of fame. And on that wall, we have mounted the pictures of our parents, our grandparents, our children, our grandchildren, and our great-grandchildren. Now, missing from our Hall of Fame are the pirates and cattle thieves, the black sheep in our family. So on the one hand, I'm very proud of the fact that on one side of my family tree, there is a man by the name of Osias Bidwell, a sergeant in the Connecticut militia during the American Revolution. I'm not so proud that on the other side of that tree sits a deserter from the Swedish army. One of them fought bravely for his country. The other one dropped his gun and walked away. But you know, that's how it is with families. And Jesus' family is no exception. He too, has a mixed ancestry. So, for example, there are patriarchs and there are peasants in his family tree. Abraham is here, the great patriarch of the Hebrew people. And at the other end of the social scale, there is Mary, who, in all probability, was just a teenage peasant girl without credentials, very few prospects, until God chose her to mother the Messiah. Again, there are family and there are foreigners in this roster. Isaac and Jacob are here, full-blooded descendants of Abraham. But so are Ruth and Rahab. Gentiles, and therefore rank outsiders. You see, the purpose of a, of, of a genealogy in those days was to prove that your family was free from all Gentile contamination. But Matthew wants us to know from the very start, by including Ruth and Rahab, that God is not a racist. Again, there are women as well as men in this genealogy. Well, you say, of course there are. How could there be a family tree without women? Ah, but 
the Old Testament genealogies contained very few women because to the ancient Hebrews, only males really counted. And yet, here in Matthew, four women appear alongside the men. Matthew, living in a decidedly patriarchal culture, dares to lift up the role of women in Jesus' family tree. And then again, there are saints and there are sinners on this list. Hezekiah, Josiah, devout worshipers of God. David, on the other hand, was a callous sinner. He not only had an adulterous liaison with Bathsheba, but he then arranged for her husband Uriah to be killed so that he could then take Bathsheba to be his wife. Now, why do you suppose Matthew mounted such a blemished gallery on Jesus' wall? Of fame. Why didn't he take down those unattractive portraits in our Lord's parentage? It was, I believe, to establish beyond the shadow of a doubt that Jesus was truly human. He was conceived by the Holy Ghost, says the Apostles' Creed, yes, but he was also born of the Virgin Mary. Because he was born of Mary, he was shaped by patriarchs and by peasants, by men and women, by family and foreigners, by saints, and yes, by sinners. Does that shock you? Oh, but you can't have it any other way. Lest we be accused of, the, of a heresy called docetism, we must hold fast to the full humanity as well as the full deity of Jesus. The docetists taught that Jesus only appeared to be a man. In fact, they said, he was pure God, wearing, as it were, a human mask. But if Jesus was not truly human, how could he feel our fears and celebrate our joys? How could he know what it is to be alive and how to comfort us when we knock on the door of death? It would be as if we were lying wounded on the sidewalk while a paramedic passed by on the other side of the street, waved at us, and then walked away. Jesus didn't wave and walk away. Jesus became one of us and is therefore of infinite worth to us. We have not a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, says the letter to the Hebrews, but we have one who is in every respect been tested as we are yet without sin. Without sin, yes, of course, but tested as we are, tempted in the wilderness, human, very, very human. 
It dawned on me last week, I think for the first time, that our church, this church, is named for a saint. San Marino is named for Saint Marina, uh, Marinas, an Italian monk in the early 4th century who spent his life ministering to chain gangs, cutting huge blocks of stone for the building of Rome's palaces and temples. A saint. So, are we all saints like Saint Marinas? You know the answer as well as I do. We often go AWOL from the faith, don't we? We break our marriages at about the same rate as the rest of the population. We tend to ignore God on weekdays. We're here on Sunday, but on Wednesday, just like our next door neighbor. Given the choice between a Bible study at the church and a Dodger game, Baseball wins, hands down. On the other hand, here you are in church listening to a sermon of all things when you could be out on the first tee at the golf course or pruning the roses in your garden. Here we are in church confessing aloud that we are sinners every time we pray the Lord's Prayer. Here we are putting good money in the offering plate when we could be using it to buy a new Lexus. And it's all because of the Messiah, Jesus. His is the portrait that towers above all the rest in Matthew's gallery. He is the Savior who atones for all the lies and conspiracies all the intrigues and adulteries, all the idolatries and killings. In short, for all the sins of all the people here in Jesus' rather blemished genealogy, and for that matter, in ours. That, I believe, is Matthew's ultimate purpose in recording all of these names. It sounds so boring when you read them. In fact, the last time you picked up the Gospel of Matthew in your devotions, I'll bet, I'll bet you passed right over this chapter, thinking it's unimportant, thinking it's unnecessary. Why did Matthew start his Gospel with all of these unpronounceable names? It's because Matthew is telling us that Jesus came through sinners for sinners. Matthew's whole purpose in writing this gospel is to proclaim the Messiah's mercy to sinners like David, to sinners like you and me. It struck me while preparing this sermon that there is no picture of Jesus in our apartment, not one. Plenty of family pictures. Not a single picture of Jesus. But there is a cross on the wall as you walk in the front door of our apartment. And in the deepest and most profound sense, that cross 
is what Jesus looks like. With arms and hands and feet nailed to a wooden beam, Jesus, John says in 1 John 2, 2, Jesus is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not for our sins only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Which means that Jesus died for you and for you. And for you, and for you. He also died for your gay grandson. He also died for the homeless woman you pass on your way to the grocery store. He also died for the kid across the street who plays in a rock band. He also died for the skeptic in the next office. He also died for the immigrant family in the neighborhood. Even for the person with whom whom you are most radically at odds politically. So now here's the hard question. Are these people welcome here at St. Marinas Community Church? People who do not look like us, who do not talk like us, who do not dress like us, who do not eat like us, who do not vote like us, are they welcome? Our son-in-law, Dr. John Callahan, serves a Presbyterian church in Morrow, Georgia. Now, Georgia is not well-known for its integrated churches, but Morrow Presbyterian is colorfully inclusive. Back in the 1980s, Audrey Sharp, a black, no-nonsense elementary school principal, decided one day she was going to worship at Morrow Presbyterian. In she walked. She was welcomed by the congregation, and she is still there today, 40 years later a treasured member of that church. And then Dr. Romy Morillis and his wife Mary Ann showed up from the Philippines. Both of them have served on the session of that church, the ruling body of that church. Romy teaches an adult Bible class. Mary Ann teaches the middle schoolers. Sometime later, Roxy Romine from Japan joined the church. She served as a funeral hostess. She's active in a women's circle. Ugo from Ghana has served on the administration committee. The Tensons from India added to the rainbow. Their son, Blessing, plays the piano for the worship services once a month. The Onewas from Nigeria always sit in the front pew, dressed to the nines from turban to toe. And they have attracted several other Nigerian families to that congregation. So that Morrow Presbyterian, 100% white 40 years ago, is today 45% non-white. And the congregation has been enriched by the unique traditions, the colorful garments, the mouth-watering foods, 
and the rich diversity of faith. Can it happen here at St. Marinus Community Church? Of course it can. When Audrey Sharp walks into this sanctuary next Sunday, get up and greet her, welcome her, and let her know that she it can be a very, very important part of this congregation. If you see uh, Romy Morillis out in the patio, introduce yourself to him and let him know that you are glad that he's here. When a Nigerian or a Nicaraguan or an Indian or a Ghanaian or a Mexican walks into SMCC, welcome them in the name of the God who so loved the world, the wide, wide world that he gave his only son. For you see, the portraits of a thousand races hang in our God's wall of fame. Let's not hesitate to add a few more to ours. <laughs>